This is Awake, Radio Tulum's morning offering to all of the world, here from paradise. Are you awake, or are you sleeping? Well, wake up. It's time to wake up. Can you feel the intention? Can you hear the consciousness? Here, from paradise, we give you all our love. Listen. Listen down, down into that sound. What is it? The current of air, vibrating vocal cords, your own eardrums, something running in your head. It's all of these, but go still deeper. This sound is you vibrating. Who are you? Don't give me your name, address, and occupation. You know that's just a mask, a front, a big act. Who puts it on? Who puts it on? Your body? <laughs> what an act that is. And who puts that on? Your father and mother? Did they put you on? Come off it. You know very well who you are, but you won't admit it. Deep in there, in the middle, middle of your heart, you know it. You've always been around, and always will be. And the you in you is the same as the you in me. Are you awake? Hear the love in Radio Tulum. Welcome to Radio Tulum. Are you awake or are you sleeping? We have a special guest for you this morning, Annette, who is joining us to talk to us about meditation. Uh, we want to reach out to everybody and, uh, you know, we want to help you heal and help you uh, go through the right path, get to the right path. So, Annette, how are you this morning? Good. Good. Thank yes. you for having me here. Oh, you are quite welcome. We're the ones that uh, are thankful for your presence here. In Radio Tulum. Radio Tulum 1 on Facebook. I think that's a great start to the meditation practice, is to follow the ideal of who you are, or find that, that little spark that, you know, I often say that too. It's a young cousin whose father had passed away, and I, I said to him, go sit by the river and imagine yourself five years down the road walking somewhere and don't think about what you've become but just check your pockets see what's in your pockets see what your mind is thinking mm -hmm. you know just let yourself allow yourself the time to grow with this pain and just kind of think further on because he was having a very hard time of what he was going to do where he was going to go mm -hmm. and I said first find a vision of where you want how you want to feel five years down the road and I think that that's a very important ingredient, you know, some sense of a vision. I, I think that, unfortunately, the human condition doesn't even allow for a vision to occur. It's because it keeps us in this very hyperactive state. Exactly. And this is the state, this active state, which this you beta could say, state. this beta state, you could say, which is this hyper restless state. It's that state that always wants to pick up the cell phone, that always wants to, like, Take, make a message that always wants to check Facebook, that always wants to like buy something, that always wants to check the fridge, that always wants to like, that can't, that constant restlessness is the engine. It is the motor and the juice for all of our destructive habits. And when you can disengage or unplug that power source, and how do you unplug that restless power source? You sit still and you sit in silence. And then the power loses its juice and your destructive behavior is not fed. All habits and destructive behaviors fed by this. I mean, of course, we know beta waking state is our natural state. We we produce, we create, we live in it. People always say, how can I stop? Of course, we know that it's a natural activity of the mind to generate thoughts. Fine. But in order for you, because we're humans and we have lots of afflictive emotions and disturbing emotions, if you want to really work with your afflictive emotions, your disturbing deep 
hab habits that are bringing you suffering to yourself and those around you, you need to unplug the power supply of it. And that is the restlessness. How do you do that? People always say, how do I stop being addicted to my phone? You sit in stillness and silence. That power, that restlessness loses its power when you're sitting in stillness and silence. It seems so obvious and simple, but it's perfectly true and difficult. And sitting in silence and stillness is the most basic act of sanity we can engage in. It's the most counter to what our culture and our society says we should do because in, in essence, you're doing nothing. So why is it so hard? But it's incredibly rewarding, incredibly powerful. So it's, it's really beautiful. It doesn't feed the neuroses that keeps the engine of society going. So in that sense, it doesn't work with a lot of like the drives of capitalism, commercialism and all that. So it doesn't fit. So it's going to feel really wrong, but it is incredibly healing, incredibly powerful on so many levels. So I always tell people like, why, why would you do meditation? Because it's the most basic act of sanity you can do for yourself. Even if you only consider it in a healing way and you know on a physical gross level you can see the results, then start there. Know that you're, if you're unwell and you've been unkind to your body and are in emotions or whatever, you know that when you sit in stillness and silence watching your breath for just five minutes, you've been triggered healing in your body and that's how else could you that's amazing and incredible especially if you have problems sleeping if you have insomnia and you're not getting full healing sleeps you can drop into that in meditation where you're not and why not do that instead so you need to approach it in the most practical ways for you to realize it's beneficial maybe not to think of it in a lofty way about it's going to reach transcendence or enlightenment or connection with the highest consciousness and the highest intuitions and the highest wisdoms which it does well, eventually. but eventually but but in the very basic way we can only make those journeys when we're healthy and our, and our physical body reflects all of our discomfort and dis-ease in our mind. It comes out in the physical level. So then start with the physical level and heal from the ground up like that. All right, Awake listeners, we're going to cut to a song, which just reminds me, you know, John Lennon so beautifully put, I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round and round because I love to watch them go. People say I'm crazy. I'm just 
Together is so precious. Together we have grown. We have grown. Although our love is still special, let's take a chance and fly away. Somewhere alone. It's been too long since we took the time. No one's to blame. I know time flies so quickly. Hello friends, this is Jorge Ruiz. I'm a part of uh, Radio Tulum's family. I'm gonna read to you a beautiful writing of this American visionary artist. His name is Alex Gray and his recent works explores the subject of consciousness from the perspective of universal beings. This writing is called The One. 15 billion years ago, before the beginning, in the studio of eternity, there was a blank canvas. Nothingness. Pregnant with the possibility of everything. Then, a miracle. Our collective being, the divine artist, the creator God, aching to express, to exist, exploded itself, ourself, into a cascade of light selves. A cosmic orgasm 
big bang does into creation, perfect in ratios, rhythms, and forms? The universe is a storm of light emerging, ever birthing, ever dying. Plasma selves, atom selves, molecular selves, cell selves, conscious lumps of DNA, ascending selves scaling evolving chains of being, souls inside brightening, hardening into botanical and biological bodies, plant self, animal selves, myself, yourself, ourselves, family selves, city selves, nation self. An earth full of eyes sees everything on earth, and we are that, planet self, star self, galactic self, self as galactic cluster, self as entire web of cosmos, with amnesia. Our current artistic dilemma is to wake up to the truth that we are the one God self creating the universe every day. So this was a writing of Alex Gray. We hope you enjoy this poetry minute. If you have a conscious thought, a poem, or a story to share, send us a voice note, a written note, a telepathic thought to awake at radiotulum.com. Hear the love. You say the hill's too steep to climb. Awake, awake, awake. Are you awake? Or are you still sleeping? It's time to awake. This is Radio Tulum, broadcasting all over the world from paradise. Breathe. Breathe. I want to share with you today a great scene from Mr. Richard Linklater who has given us Waking Life, one of the greatest philosophical films of all time. And this is from a sort of sequel to his early work called Days and Confused in 1993, one of his, uh, I would say, his fourth film. And this one's taken from Everybody Wants Some. It was just released this year. And here is the scene. Listen to this progression, man. Listen to how it goes up. From one moment to another, it leads you there, man. Hums the progression of a Pink Floyd song. Look, you can play in any pentatonic scale at 100 miles an hour till someone's ears burn off. Because you can learn that, right? But... Finding the tangents within the framework, therein lies the artistry, man. A fucking bunch of dudes jumping around on a stage, jerking each other off in spandex, isn't fucking music. I don't know, dude. I kind of like Van Halen. Well, yeah, Plum, you do. And do you know why you do? Because corporations and corporates is shoving something down your throat and making you believe it because that's what they want you to believe I mean guys it's about finding out who you are in the space in between the notes that they are offering you I mean you gotta tune in man you gotta tune in and don't be afraid to let the experience find you it's like what Carl Sagan says the beauty of living things isn't how the atoms echo into it It's how those atoms are put together. Man, fucking language. What is language? Language is a construct, man. You know? You know what I mean? We used to be telepathic. Humans were telepathic, man. We could just, right here, pointing to his eyes. The fucking Mayans knew it. The Druids fucking knew it. And you think the way things are going now, that we're going to get that back? Fucking no, man. Do you guys want to try a little telepathic shit right now? 
Captain. Let's do it, okay? Let's do it. Are you ready? Are you locked in? Are you locked into my voice? Are you locked into my eyes? As he points to everyone. You locked in, all right? Everybody says yes. All right, man. All right. All right, Radio Tulum Nation. What am I thinking of? Jorge, what am I thinking of? Mao, what am I thinking of? Max, what am I thinking of? Fuck. I was thinking of sharks. So what if we're not that telepathic anymore? But there is a spirit within us that through the eyes we can see the soul. We can feel another human. There's capacity that is so far-reaching within the depths of our existence. We are the universe. And when people come into your life, if you just take a look and listen not, not just listen but hear you can feel them and their consciousness more than they see themselves and this is the gift that we can bring to each other because the thing in society that we all need is to be seen so hear the love and feel the consciousness amongst us all this is awake. Are you awake? Or are you sleeping? You pick the place and I'll choose the time. Shall I compare thee? To a summer's day Thou art more lovely And more temperate Rough winds do shake The darling birds of May And summer's lease Hath all too short a day Sometime too hard The eye of heaven shines And often is His gold complexion dim And every fair From fair sometime declines By chance or nature's Changing course some trim But thy eternal summer shall not fade Nor lose possession of that fair Nor shall death bright Thou wanderest in his shade When in eternal lines To time thou growest So long as men can breathe Our eyes can see So long lives Are you awake? Radio Tulum, hear the love. Broadcasting from paradise. You have always been alone. For you, 
I, the self, is simply what there is and all that there is. All of us are raised from one center, tits on one sound, sounds on one flute, forever and ever. But it doesn't get monotonous, boring, because we keep forgetting it. We keep the ons on by putting offs between them. How big is it? And how long is on? And how long off? Don't take these figures literally, for their purpose is just to give an idea of vastness. We say that man, human life, is a dance that lasts for 4,320,000 years. And of course, there are all sorts of other dances going on at the same time with their own rhythms. Star dances, rock dances, fish dances, insect dances, plant dances, and strange animal scenes like crocodile dances, elephant dances. The human dance runs for 4,320,000 years, a span of time that we call a kalpa. Before it begins and after it ends, there is always another kalpa, or off period of rest, during which the self is simply the self, and doesn't pretend to be this me or that you. We call this rest period the pralaya. Peace, uninvolvement, pure bliss. When 4,320,000 years of rest draw to a close, the Leela dance begins again, though it always seems like the first time. Every day is today. And then through many centuries, through many pulses of waking and sleeping, life and death, you stretch your world out through a span of time that varies in mood like the rainbow, running from purple to red, from royal delight to destruction and fire. For as there is no purple without red, there is no pleasure without pain. There are thus four great divisions of the Kalpa. We call each one a Yuga, and name them after the four throws in the Hindu game of dice. Krita, the perfect throw of four. Treta, the slightly imperfect throw of three. Dvapara, the throw of two. And Kali, the worst throw of one. And so the first period, the Krita Yuga, runs for 1,728,000 years, during which the whole world is as perfect as a fresh flower and as unblemished as the skin of a young girl. The second period, the Treta Yuga, is a little shorter. It runs for 1,296,000 years, during which a small element of evil and decay comes into life and the tips of the petals are very slightly brown. The third period is the Dvapara Yuga, running for 864,000 years. The syllable Dva in Dvapara means two, double or dual, so that in this age the powers of good and evil are equally balanced. The fourth period is Kali Yuga, running for only 432,000 years, in which the power of evil and destruction takes over. At the end, your eternal self takes the form of Shiva, the lord of renewal through death, blue-bodied and ten-armed with a necklace of skulls, but with one hand in the gesture called Fear Not, as a reminder that all this is in illusion and play. And then Shiva dances the Tandava dance, the dance of fire in which the material world is destroyed and the self returns to the state of pralaya, of peace, uninvolvement and pure bliss. All this goes on forever, through kalpa after kalpa after kalpa, and not only in this visible world that we call the universe. For this universe that we know is only a speck of dust in another universe. And all the specks of dust in this universe that we know contain minute universes without measure, boundless inward in the atom, boundless outward in the whole. However vast, 
however incomprehensible, however terrifying this entire display may seem to be. All of it is at root your own inmost self, the self which you cannot touch or see or pin down or control, because it's too close, too near, right in the middle of everything, because it's you. Be the intention, feel the consciousness. You are listening to Awake. Here to love in Radio Tulum. 
we are quite awakened and enlightened with having our, I don't want to use the word guru because I feel we separate ourselves from everything when we call please it. Don't, yeah, please don't say that, guru. No, no, no I don't. I, I want to make all the <laughs> gurus back term. into men and, and, and people so that people can realize that mm-hmm. they have the power to become any higher form of themselves. So That's our right. meditation practitioner, Annette here, and really, I think she wanted to touch base about, I think, was it post-meditation? That's right. If you, just to add something that's really important, it's not really often brought up, but one of my teachers in Nepal emphasized this, and it's really, really changed my practice and my approach. So whatever it is that you take as your beginning meditation practice, as we mentioned, the shamatha practice, taking an object to focus on, usually the breath, you could find that somewhere on the internet, just find a five-minute guided meditation. Whatever it is that you follow and you do, when it's finished, the most important thing for you to do is to cultivate a feeling of gratitude, of of graciousness and appreciation for the fact that you had you have the chance to do that with the mind, the body being clear. We're not sane, we're healthy, we're not old, we're not sick, we're not in a war-torn country. So you're able, wherever you are, you're able to do that just to feel tremendous appreciation. And then after, not to judge it or to cut it up or to criticize it or bring it back into the conceptual activity of degrading it or analyzing or deconstructing it. Be very happy that you sat and then just leave it at that and feel great joy because you will sit in your meditation practice through rain and shine, through good and bad, through when you're sick and unsick. You can't um, deconstruct it in terms of was it good or was it bad. All you need to be really happy about in the beginning is that you did the practice for the five minutes because that is the key. And the most important part is doing it. It's not whether you think it was good or you think it was bad or you think you had too many thoughts or you're not a good meditation person or I couldn't sit. You don't want to bring that back into the post. Or feel rewarded. Or feel blissed out. Don't get any attachment to anything in post, whether it's in a negative way, which it usually is, in a critical way, or in this, oh my God, it was the most amazing blissed out feeling I've ever had. Because then you're only strengthening your your connection with those concepts and you're just sort of undone all of your work with creating equanimity in the mind so that's really really important is to just drop it and let it go and be happy that that worked out exactly like that it did it was perfect just the way it was just the way it was and and i think that you bring up an interesting point and and of course you know i'm the guinea pig for awake and i'm going to start this practice and uh you know in the next couple of days or even tomorrow or tonight because obviously uh, i've had some things happen in the last couple of days that have brought in uh, a lack of peace Uh, and uh, I think you bring up an interesting point it reminds me actually of a a girl sent me a quote the other day and I mean I agreed and I know that it was the truth in it but uh, she said uh, it was a Khalil Gibran quote and you know and we all love Khalil Gibran if you're gonna love love in silence If you're gonna travel somewhere travel in silence I think there was a third act to it and it just reminds me of that you know certain things we should hold on to for ourselves quietly and in silence just do them for the sake of doing them and then let them go for what they are and be silent about them don't share I mean because I was just thinking how it would be so behoove us like as human beings because if it's a practice that we're doing for some trend or some other reason, Mm -hmm. we would go out and say, hey, you know, I did this meditation practice today and I was just so at peace. You're absolutely right. And you put it so well is that you're going to do away with all the equanimity that you have gained from it. Mm -hmm. So that's a very important uh, point. It's, it's some things like meditation, I think should be just done and left at that. Just, Mm -hmm. Just do the practice, the discipline, of doing is that is that's right it's true i mean there's two things that i want to just speak to that one is that yeah it's just, it's you have to be skillful with your own mind and in that way it's one way of being skillful because if you can just leave it in a really joyful peaceful way you'll return again and that is the most important thing uh, that's why it's important to not to to not judge it or carve it up in any way that's the other reason why because you want to make sure you come back again and well. the other and in the beginning 
It is, it is important to recognize that you do um, feel peace, like because you are, like I mentioned, altering your brain wavelength a little bit slower. You will find peace, and it's okay to recognize that, and that's important, especially in the beginning, especially for people that are just getting into it. So that that's okay to feel like that was positive, to notice the effects. I always say notice the effects of the practice, but not to move into this sort of like I'm um, putting value on them right. just to be really okay I really feel lovely after this practice okay that's fine yeah, yeah. but just on. know you might not one day feel so great after the practice you may feel like you've just been through the ringer and then you and that still is fine yeah you know, well I mean obviously I think that that's the it's the it's Arjuna and Krishna on the battlefield you know I mean at, at certain times they're just talking about something good and at certain times they're talking about the battle and I'm sure that will occur and I mean I'm going to take that to heart you know it's uh, between the I'm such a social human being and I believe so much in sharing joy and pain and, and stuff that I often share way too much so you know I think that it's a very important teaching today to learn to do the act have the action and celebrate the joy of it or the pain of it or whatever it was but just let it go at the same time and the interesting very much more interesting part is you really feel for you understand that people may not come back to it and this is a very because they have had too much joy or too much pain or whatever it was just i mean i mean it's you and that happens a lot sometimes we go back to something again and again it takes us years to come back to it again and it hits us in a different way like a book you read once and then you read it again and you think oh this is way much better than i thought it was in the first time i read it so it right. takes us sometimes to get our head around things so that's okay but just to keep it in a joyful way and a joyful practice for you especially in the beginning is really important Right, right. Well, we shall do that. Well, share with us, you know, um, I, I just wanted to go back a little bit because we're just beginning this conversation. Um, how about some, you know, as a young practicing, starting to get on the path of the little spark that lit and you're in Tibet, tell us some of the, of the antidotes that one of the ladders sort of fell away, one of the pieces of the ladder fell away. Can you... Can you uh, yeah well anecdotes or antidotes because they're both really important <laughs> <laughs> then let's do both <laughs> oh there's so many anecdotes a lot of them have to do with the perilous exit part of like the journey itself and then when you're literally when you're traveling the peril is literal like it's physical you're actually often at times in danger and in jeopardy and those are the like, those moments where you have those penny dropping moments where you know you're in the right place at the right time because you didn't choose to be anywhere else and if you were to pass away in that moment you were exactly where you should be and those were really really impacted me all throughout my journey a perilous bus ride through like and into Tibet with my teacher where the road was we're on a bus you know with a Tibetan Lama and some other monks and some nuns and the road is just washing away and my teacher said well um, many people wash down this road all the time when, when when it's spring and people are coming down from the mountains in Tibet a lot of people just wash right down the road into the river and I yes we could probably quite possibly die right now and he said but We'll all die together, and trust me, you're in really good hands. If you go now, I'll guide you through the whole process. And it was just really sweet because I realized, like, at it, it each turn where I was, I was completely where I wanted to be in that yes. moment. And I think it's really good to just ask yourself in general, because I learned that, and that's not exactly related to meditation, but it's in related to your spiritual path. Just keep asking yourself, if I were to die in this moment, is this where I want to die? Am I prepared in this moment? Is this the person I want to be standing beside? Is this who, where I want to be spending my time? Am I ready to go in this place? Is my mind ready? I ask myself that question a lot. So when you're engaging in the journey, you'll know if you're in, in the right place, if you're feeling like, if you, you, you ask those, yourself those questions well, and you'll know if you've taken made the right decisions. I think that you bring up a very, very, very crucial point in life. It's choice. Have you made the choice, right? I mean, I think the choice is what is it's it's where it spark becomes the path, right? When you actually mm -hmm. make the choice, and that that when you are responsible for your choice, when you finally see your choice, I think that this is a, a, a crucial, even 
if you have not ma- or if you feel like you haven't made the right choice i find that if i can only become a man of choice right so you and i love leonard cohen and mm-hmm. um you know i had uh, come out of a sort of darkness you know i i started the business and, and the one thing that i said to myself in that moment when i came to the awakening or or saying to myself if bobby dylan went to the bedside of uh, of guthrie of woody why can i not as an indian boy shake the hand of leonard cohen or go try to find him i must be a man i must go and become a man of my choice if i want to be a filmmaker go ahead you know so what if you've got a little high eight camera and uh mm-hmm. you know it doesn't matter because it's about the story it's about the journey and it's, it's about, about the, the choice it's about the choice it's about the choice and once we make it whether we're about to get washed away from the on the side roads of uh you know mm-hmm. of a indian or a tibetan road which i have traveled from on a mule and on buses and on horses mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh you know uh it it's exactly where you are it's the joy you feel in your own skin uh because you've made a choice and i also say often that it's the only real thing we can give our children and that's the only thing that will change the planet is that men and women will become of their choice okay. that they will first recognize maybe the spark maybe not the spark maybe their life has not been has yet revealed the spark Uh-huh. but if they at least become responsible and accepting of the choices that they have made or start to choose rather than the choices that have uh-huh. most likely been made for them. Uh-huh. Well, I think that I think they're all everyone does have the spark inside and they just haven't heard it or seen it or recognized. It. And I really think and it's not always going to be joyful that's the thing, but if yeah. you know that you're following like an artist when they know that they're doing something that they really love, they'll do it no matter what. They can't you can't stop doing it and you'll be living like in poverty it doesn't matter you're doing what you love it's that same does whatever on the spiritual there's a great teacher Chogyam Trungpa and he said be really careful because once you step onto the path you can't get off the path and in many ways when you step foot onto your spiritual journey or whatever that might be the literal journey where you're going to Tibet or Mongolia or some dangerous perilous trip in India you're on it and you're on for the ride you might not you might not might come out alive so to speak but you're on it you've stepped onto it fully and planted your feet onto in on your journey yeah and it's not going to be an easy journey but there you are you've started to walk it I, yeah i mean you know it just remind me of all the journeys that i've taken in life and the more par- like i've been recently saying i need a near death experience like again like i need to go on some sort of path and journey like through the amazon going to go film well you could just yeah I'm already here. Reminds me of an anecdote. Yeah. One of my friends had wanted to introduce me to my second teacher. He he's actually from uh Mexico and we met uh at, at a teaching with the Dalai Lama in Toronto. We were both volunteers. So he was talking about this teacher that his teacher in in Nepal and you need to meet him and he's young and he's really, you know, cutting edge and direct and crass and really he's you know just and he always typing it up. And so finally he sent me a message one day and he said Rinpoche is giving a teaching in Mexico somewhere in like where by um Pátzcuaro like in um Michoacán oh, okay. a really dangerous area I knew nothing about it and he said so come come <laughs> here's the map and he sent me a map it wasn't to scale but he didn't tell me that and he set off on his journey because he wouldn't use internet or emails very much and he couldn't be reached so i had this map of this teacher who was in this like hacienda somewhere in pascuaro and it was a map that wasn't to scale i learned so i took i got to mexico all by myself i get to pascuaro to the town it's already getting to be sunset it's dark and i have this map and i start off on foot because on the map it looks like the hacienda is like walkable so i start walking through like very dangerous cartel area in Michoacán at the time apparently and a police off and I'm lost and it's dark now and I don't know where I'm going and I know I'm going to find this teacher because I'm on my path to find this teacher Fantastic. and this cop drives by me and he pulls up beside me and I knew in a moment I just trusted my gut and looked at him and I said I know he's a really dangerous person 
but I know he's not going to hurt me. And I jumped in the car with him. I just made that split level decision. I was desperate. I didn't know what I was going to do. And he said, where are you going? And I said, this hacienda. He said, you shouldn't be walking around here by yourself. And he radioed in. And so I knew I was okay. He said, I have this woman from Canada and I'm going to try to help her find. So I'm like, okay, he's radioed me in. I think I'm safe. We drove around for an hour. We couldn't find it. Finally, he finds this hacienda, this event, this ranch that had never been used. No one knew where it was. We drive up. He drops me off at the gate. As soon as he pulls in and the people see like this police truck pulling up, everyone scatters. Because I guess the police are really not good in that area. <laughs> and I get on, I'm like, thank you so much. And everyone's looking at me from behind going, what is happening? Who is this lady? And I get out, I'm like, see you later, Moshe's ass. He's like, uh-huh. And that's how I walked in and I finally made my way. And I got to the teacher and it was perfect. And it was, it was perilous. And so that's when I point is, it's not going to be easy, but there are always, it, it takes some danger, some element of courage, but you need to follow it and it will take you exactly where you're supposed to be going. Well, you know, you remind me of a great story. We were talking about Bonaire earlier and we must have had like 60 dives. And there was this one dive place that we would go, we would gone like four times and we were just like, no way, we're not getting into this water. There's just no way we're getting into this water. It's just too difficult, too many rocks, too much uncomfort. But we knew it was like, I think eight months had passed and we'd finished uh, Diego Langtree's Confessions of a Bullet, the album, and I'd written some work and uh, we knew we had to go. Like there was no choice, we weren't leaving. And the funny thing was, we got in, we got out of the car, we had our fins in our hands and we're plunking our uh, tanks along and we get in the water and I am uncomfortably trying to put on my fins and I swear to God, I put on the second fin, it took me maybe three minutes to do it, but and I look up and I'm in calm water. Like it was never as difficult as my brain had made it out to be. And it's often the case, our brain, has worked it up so much that, you know, we often are afraid way too much of, of something that won't be as perilous as one would imagine, you know? And I, I mean, like this- Or it might be, oh, <laughs> but well, you still have to walk out the door. You, you still have to go, you still have to go. The hardest thing is stepping out the door. Yeah, That's I, what I would say. What's that great line in the abyss? It says, uh, it was a one-way ticket, but baby, I had to go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. Ending on that note, we want to really thank uh, Annette for joining us, our meditation practitioner, and we're going to continue these conversations with Annette and uh, help our way through a, a, a peaceful, understanding life. Annette, thank you so much for joining us for Awake. My pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me share. Oh, yes. We're going to continue to do so. And just remember, my friends, as the great Leonard Cohen says, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering there is a crack in everything that's how the light gets in signing off this has been a radio Tulum production of awake the birds they sang at the break of day Start again, I heard them say, do not dwell on what has passed away.
for signs and the signs were sent the birth delayed the marriage spent the widowhood of every government those were the signs for all to see I can't run no more with that lawless crowd while the killers in high places say their prayers out loud ah but they've summoned they have summoned up a thundercloud and they're gonna hear from me Virtuoso Javier Mas. From the city of Kishinev in the Republic of Moldova, the king of the violin, Alexander Grubitsky. From the Conservatory of Music in the University of Texas in Austin, Texas, the irresistible guitar of Professor Mitch Watkins. From Mexico City, Mexico, our timekeeper, the Prince of Precision, Rafael Bernardo Gaiol. On the keyboards, an eminent composer and band leader in his own right tonight, tomorrow, and the next day, the foremost exponent of the Hammond B3 organ, the fearless Neil Larson. On vocals, co-writer of Everybody Knows, My Secret Life, Waiting for the Miracle, Alexander leaving so many tunes I am privileged to sing. My collaborator, the incomparable Sharon Robinson. On vocals, harp, guitar, the angelic harmonies of Hattie and Charlie Webb, the sublime Webb sisters. On vocals, 
upright bass, an electric bass, our musical director, the venerable Roscoe Beck. All friends, we'll be back in a few minutes with the second half of the show. Thank you for your kind attention. This has been a production of Radio Toulon.